Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell. In this episode, we will dive into an investment strategy known as direct indexing. Many dentists are familiar with the strategy of buying index funds or indirectly investing in an index, but directly investing in an index is a little different. We'll cover three things in this episode. One, what's the difference fundamentally between indirectly investing in an index versus directly investing in an index? Number two, what are the benefits of directly investing in an index versus indirectly investing in an index by buying an index fund? And three, why is direct indexing becoming available to more people and becoming more popular than it ever has been in the past? As a reminder, our affiliated firm, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists nearing or already in clinical retirement with things like direct indexing. In addition, we work to reduce your lifetime tax bill and replace your practice income so you don't have to compromise on the lifestyle that you love. If you are interested in financial guidance on your exit from clinical, schedule an initial consultation with us on our website, which is DentistExit.com. That website, again, DentistExit.com. And with that introduction, let's dive into direct indexing. Let's start with discussing the difference between investing in an index fund or indirect indexing versus directly investing in an index. And that sounds really confusing, so I'm going to use an analogy that will hopefully make it a little bit easier to digest. The best way to think about indirect indexing with an index fund versus directly investing in an index is by comparing a bundled solution to an unbundled solution. And just to reference a couple practical examples, uh, value meals. When you go to Chick-fil-A and you buy the number one, you get a chicken sandwich, you get waffle fries, and you get a drink for 10 bucks. Whereas if you buy the sandwich, the fries, and the drink all separate, it might be $12 total. And I'm totally guessing on those specifics, but you get the idea. Same thing with a gym membership. I work out at Anytime Fitness. Their bundled solution is 50 bucks a month. And for that, I can use any of the equipment at any of their locations at any time of day, any day of the week. If I were to buy a one-day pass to work out, it might be $10, and then I can only use the equipment at that one location on that one day. So often in life, the bundled solution is the better deal, or at least it's the easier solution to accomplish something, even if in a different scenario, you pay a premium for whatever that bundled solution is. So with that as a backdrop, index funds are a bundled solution for investing. You might be familiar with the concept of owning index funds inside your portfolio. One common index fund is for the S&P 500 index. And that's a fund that is made up of the stocks of the largest 500 companies in the United States. Several fund companies have created S&P index funds. So if you own one of those funds inside your 401k or inside your brokerage account, that's an example of indirect indexing because you're probably going to leverage a fund company like Vanguard or BlackRock who designed that index fund. In that scenario, Vanguard or BlackRock or whoever goes out and buys shares of all the individual company stocks that make up that S&P 500. 
And then it slices those funds up into little tiny slivers, technical term, and then piles those slivers into the fund and makes that single fund available for consumers to purchase normally as a mutual fund or as an electronically traded fund, which is often referred to as an ETF. So for massive investment companies like Vanguard or BlackRock, that's something they can do at scale because they have millions and millions of people investing in their funds. There's a small charge or fee built into those funds called the expense ratio. And that's the premium that investors pay for access to the funds. And then that's how the fund companies make money by charging small fees to millions and millions of investors at a single time. And so again, that's indirect indexing. You have exposure to an index indirectly via the fund company. The opposite of that is direct indexing, where someone actually owns all of the individual company stocks that comprise that index. So if someone wanted to replicate the S&P 500 index, they would buy the stock of each of those 500 companies in the index directly or individually. So this is a strategy that has technically long been available to everyone. And what I mean by that is that an individual investor has always been able to go out and buy the individual stocks that make up the S&P 500 directly. You can go out and buy Apple or Microsoft or Tesla or whatever. But if you think about trying to accomplish that or think about trying to buy all those individual stocks directly in an unbundled or an a la carte way, it would be seemingly difficult to do. First of all, you'd need a fairly big pool of money to buy one share of all 500 companies at once. I mean, if the price for one share of each of the 500 companies was $100 per share, you'd need $50,000 just to get started not to mention some of the transaction fees that could be associated with buying those 500 stocks. And so you can see why indirectly investing in an index using index funds has been very popular the last couple of decades. It's really an easy way for mass investors to get diversified access to the market, to an index for a relatively low cost. And so with that as the backdrop, why would anyone want to complicate their investment selection by trying to directly own an index instead of just buying the index fund? What are the benefits of direct indexing? Well, there's two benefits, tax savings and cost savings. Let's hit cost savings first. When you invest indirectly in an index using an index fund, the cost of doing that is reflected in the fund's expense ratio. Every index mutual fund or ETF has something called the expense ratio, which is a percentage of fees relative to your fund value that you will pay or be assessed each year. So just as an example, if you own an index fund that's worth $100,000 and the expense ratio of that fund is 1%, the cost of being invested in that fund is $1,000 or 1% per year. So that's the amount that would be deducted out of your account each year. Now, there are a lot of index funds out there that have a relatively low expense ratio of 10 to 20 basis points, so well below 1%. Because Vanguard and BlackRock have trillions of dollars under their management, because of that total volume, they can have a really profitable company by charging a relatively low expense ratio. But when you invest directly in an index by buying the individual stock of each company in the index, there is no expense ratio associated with that. 
that's not to say there can't be sometimes other fees associated with doing that that have to be taken into account when direct indexing, but there is no expense ratio. So this unbundled solution can be available at potentially a lower cost. But the real advantage of direct indexing is the potential tax savings in non-qualified accounts. When you invest in stocks directly in a taxable investment account, in any given year, there are bound to be stocks that do very well and stocks that do not do as well in terms of performance. And when you are directly invested in all these different companies, you have the ability to both tax loss harvest and tax gain harvest. That is, you can offset some of the capital gains due with the capital losses inside your portfolio. Or conversely, you can harvest gains in your portfolio and intentionally sell assets to recognize the gain when it makes sense to do so in your individual situation. Now, tax loss harvesting and tax gain harvesting are both topics that probably uh, deserve their own podcast. So I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on those topics today. But the main takeaway is that when you are directly invested in an index, you have much, much more control and can be a lot more tactical about the taxes associated with that account than when you simply invest in an index using an index fund. And to that point, that's the main reason why direct indexing came into existence in the first place. The ultra wealthy, so to speak, have been utilizing this strategy for decades because for tax purposes, and because there was enough money at stake to deal with it, they would take on the cost and the effort of directly investing. And they had enough capital to buy the index outright. But back to the larger point, when you own an index mutual fund or an ETF, there is not nearly as much control with tax loss and tax gain harvesting. And that's because all of that is done at the fund level or at the entity level of that index fund. That's where the gains and that's where the losses get rectified before they get passed on to the investor that owns that index fund. So you don't have as much control about how and when to pass gains and losses onto yourself. And sometimes funds have to realize short-term capital gains, which are taxed at ordinary income rates and not preferred rates. And when that occurs, short-term gains are passed on to the owners of the index fund. So again, the benefits of direct indexing, the cost of owning the indexes can be less and the potential tax savings can be much greater compared to simply owning an index fund. So question number three, why is direct indexing becoming available to more people and becoming more popular than it was in the past? In short, because of technology. There's a couple layers to this, but the first piece is that technology has made it possible and fairly simple for individuals to purchase fractional shares of company stock. So no longer does someone have to buy one share of every company that makes up the S&P 500. Technology has made it possible to buy fractional shares or really small slivers of each company in the index. So the total amount of capital required to own the whole index is much, much lower as a result. And along with that, the cost of buying stocks, fractional shares or not, is much lower than it used to be. In many cases, it's completely free. As an example, not only did you previously have to buy a whole share of each company to directly own the index, but you also had transaction costs associated with the purchase of each of those shares. Like it might 
cost you 20 or $25 per trade to buy each of the 500 stocks in an index. So you can see why even though direct indexing has been around as a strategy for decades, in the past, you'd really need a lot of capital and really have to have a pretty significant capital gains tax problem to make it worth your while to pursue this as a strategy. But in the last decade or so, the transaction costs of buying and selling stocks have mostly been eliminated. So that cost is gone. And then with fractional shares, there's not as much capital required to own the index. So you combine that with the fact that anyone with internet access now can open an investment account and start buying and selling stocks or ETFs or whatever within a few minutes. And it's the perfect storm. You can see why direct indexing is emerging as an investment strategy and will continue to grow in popularity moving forward. But until very recently, it had been difficult to execute at scale, both because of the transaction costs of buying those stocks, the total investment required, because someone would in the past need tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy one share of all those 500 companies in the S&P 500. So there you have it indirectly investing in an index with an index fund versus directly investing in an index by buying the individual stocks, or at least slivers of the individual stocks. We've covered the differences between those two things, including the tax benefits, including the cost differences, and we've covered the reason for the trend toward direct index investing. It's technology. Unlike Chick-fil-A, unlike Anytime Fitness, Index investing is the rare case where the bundled solution may not be better than the unbundled solution much longer. All righty then, that is all I've got for now. I hope you found this information useful and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like to learn more about ways to reduce your taxes and generate income from your assets in retirement? Our affiliated firm, Dentist Exit Planning, might be able to help you with those two things. Schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is DentistExit.com. There's no obligation for your initial consultation. Again, schedule that initial consultation at DentistExit.com. As for our disclosure, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.